All right, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. Before we get into the message, let's just stop and pray um, and ask God to calm our hearts and uh, allow Him to speak to us. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your love for us. Lord, we thank You for our church, and we just pray You'd be with us tonight. Lord, I just pray that You would just calm our, our spirits tonight, help us to focus into Your Word tonight, Lord, and you, no doubt, we know that you have something for each one of us, Lord, and we pray you'd help us, Lord, just bind up the hands of Satan, and I pray that you would do a work in our hearts that only you can do. We love you and thank you. Help me as I preach that I would only say what you would have me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, a very familiar passage tonight, and really a familiar uh, topic tonight. I believe God's led me to preach on the topic of forgiveness, forgiveness. You know, one of the, we have a lot of words in our vocabulary, obviously, and the word forgive is probably among one of the most difficult words for some people. But the truth is, forgiveness is a very important part of our Christian life. It's the very essence of our faith in Christ. And, uh, you know, forgiveness, forgiveness is something we all want to receive, but a lot of times we hesitate to give forgiveness. And Jesus makes it very clear, though, in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your, heaven, your Father forgive your trespasses. Those words leave and allow no room for doubt or discussion. Forgiveness flows two ways. We can't separate receiving forgiveness from extending forgiveness. And as we, as we experience God's forgiveness on a personal level, we then can extend that forgiveness to other people. You know, uh, forgiveness is also a very emotion. It's the core of our emotional well-being. What do I mean by that? Well, unforgiving people, we could say, are emotionally sick. Their bitterness is a disease of the spirit. And it's inevitable that an unforgiving person, because of how we're made, body, soul, and spirit, that eventually that unforgiving person will also experience physical illness as well. The stress that we carry uh, because we have not given forgiveness will cause our hearts, our minds, and our bodies to begin to have problems. Um, you know, then to make matters worse, rage and depression contribute to a lot of obsessive behaviors like overeating, work, you know, people being workaholics, overspending, addictions to all kinds of sins. Um, if you don't believe this, look at our world today. And that's what's happening. Um, unresolved anger causes us from, from moving forward because we're locked in a time machine frozen on an exact moment when a particular offense occurred, and because we're fearing further injury, we, we're not willing to move to new levels of relationship. And, and, so, and we're worried that they're going to treat us the same way or maybe be treated in a, a similar way with someone else. But we need to understand that forgiveness cannot begin until we admit our own failures, and as we do that, and obviously as we have the, and we'll get to this in a second, but as God forgives us, we then can extend that forgiveness to other people. So I know I'm speaking to 
a Wednesday night crowd. And I know this is all for us mostly is going to be a lot of review. We know this. But obviously God, I believe, has led me to this, this topic tonight. And I'm going to trust that it's for someone. And if not, if anything, it'd be good for us just to remember what God's done for us and to remember how we ought to extend forgiveness to others. So let's first of all look at the fact that forgiveness has always been God's plan. Forgiveness has always been God's plan. Since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, it's been God's plan to send Jesus, the only Son of God, to come to this earth, sacrifice his sinless life, for the forgiveness of sins. God is all-knowing. He knew that we were going to sin. He expected us to sin. And He knew that we were going to need forgiveness, and He provided a way for us to be forgiven. God chose, the truth is, God chose to forgive us before the foundation of the world. Nehemiah 9, 16 and 17, But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to Thy commandments and refused to obey Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. And notice what it says, But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and forsook them not. Let me ask you a couple questions. Did God know before he chose Israel that they were going to harden their necks and not obey his commandments? He did. He's all-knowing. Did God know before He created you and I that we were going to reject, many were going to reject Him instead of turning from their sin to Christ? He is all-knowing. He knew. And what does it say, though? Thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger. God's already forgiven us. He's just waiting. Now, this is key. He's just waiting for us to turn from our sins turn to Him and ask for forgiveness, and He's ready to forgive. He's already done it. He's all-knowing. He's ready to forgive. And He's just waiting for us to do that which is necessary, which is turn from our sins and turn to Him. Psalm 86, verse 5, For Thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Me. Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found, Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Before the foundation of the world, God who is all-knowing knew that people would choose to reject him, but yet he still chose to forgive them by sending his only begotten son for all sinners. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then God who is all-knowing, these are, these are just one, at least for me, I, I get excited thinking about these things. I may not be showing it a ton up here because I don't normally jump up and down um, but, or take laps, but um, this is encouraging. This is wonderful to think about this. God who is all-knowing knew the depths of our heart. He knew our intent. He knows our intentions. He knows all the hidden sin. He knows the grudges we hold. But yet, He chose to forgive us. Psalm 139. Have you ever read through that passage? It's a wonderful passage. And I'll just read the first four verses. I really want to read the whole passage. But um, 
I knew I didn't have time, but Psalm 139, 1 through 4, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou comp- compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. God knows us. And at least for me, I think about how wicked I am. And I think about how God knows everything about me, but yet loves me and has forgiven me. And then, this is important as well, because we're sinners, the truth is that we're, our sins separated us from God. So I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, and I know I, at the end, hopefully it'll all come together. But while God has already made the choice to forgive us of our sins before the foundation of the world, the truth is our sin has separated us from God. Isaiah 55, or not 55, sorry, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. But behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Our relationship with God will be one of separation until we have confessed our sins and asked for forgiveness. And when Christ, come back, Christ comes back and we stand before God, if we have not turned to God and asked for forgiveness from our sins, we will suffer, suffer eternal separation from God. And so if you're here tonight, again, I know I'm speaking to a Wednesday night crowd, but if you're here tonight and you have not turned from your sin, turned to Christ and asked for forgiveness, you need to take care of that. Because if not, if you haven't done that, you are separated from God because of your sin. There cannot be full restoration of our relationship with God until we've asked for forgiveness. But the sacrifice of Christ's blood on the cross was sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. And I want to get ahead of my notes right there, but I will wait. But remember that that phrase, the sacrifice of Christ's blood was sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. And I'm going to go somewhere with that in a second. Once we've asked for forgiveness, God chooses to forget our sins, and this is wonderful, by the way, as well, and restores our relationship with Him. It says over and over again, He will will not remember our sins. Think about this. God's all-knowing. He knows everything. So can God truly forget our sins? No, He's he's all-knowing. You know what? But He chooses. He chooses to forget He chooses not to remember. Isn't that wonderful? God's all-knowing, and yet He chooses to not remember our sins. Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Jeremiah 31, 34, Know the Lord, for they... And I'm going to... just jump to the middle part of of the verse there. Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Hebrews 8, 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That's wonderful because you know it's hard sometimes to forget what you've maybe been, what you've had to deal with. Maybe somebody's done something to you. And it's hard to forget that. But God forgives us and he doesn't remember it. You know, the devil, though, he loves to bring that up. He loves to accuse us 
The, the Revelation says he's the accuser of the brethren. Day and night he's doing it to the point where you feel like you can't even function so much, so much because he's just bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. Forgiveness has always been, first of all, God's plan. And then secondly, God's forgiveness is reciprocal. That's a big word that I don't like to say a lot, so I won't say it again. You got it the first time. Um, it's hard to say. But now I'm going to actually get to the meat of the message. You are all, that was all just pretty much introduction to set the stage. But you're in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read one passage right before I get to that. Colossians 3.13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And then let's look at Ephesians 4. So hopefully you're there by now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. In verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And then notice this phrase, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So if you know, so just a quick um, point here about Ephesians. Ephesians deals with our new life in Christ. Chapter 1 deals with our position in Christ. Chapter 2 deals with our identity in Christ. Chapter 3 talks about our purpose, which gives us confidence in Christ. And then Ephesians chapter 4 talks about bringing our practice, the way we live, in line with our position in Christ. And that starts with our inward attitudes, which will be reflected in our outward actions. And when we begin bringing our practice in line with our position, we are filled with the Spirit. Once we are filled with the Spirit, it exhibits in itself in our lives with a joyful, thankful, humble attitude, which changes our relationships on this earth. And this results in us being adorned with the armor of God. That's the full picture of Ephesians. It's a great book, by the way. We're only going to look at the fourth chapter. But uh, chapter 4, verses 20 through 21, talks about how we are to put off the old man, right? And to put on the new man. So we see here in verse 32, 31 that there are some things that we need to put off before forgiveness can take place. Notice he says to put away bitterness. What is bitterness? It's holding a grudge against somebody. And bitterness, as we know in the scripture, can take root. And it can defile many, it says in Hebrews. And we've got to be careful that bitterness doesn't take root in our hearts and lives. And you might say, well, I'm, I'm the Wednesday night crowd. The devil's sly. He can allow bitterness even in the Wednesday night crowd if we're not careful. Then wrath. Wrath is, an anger, is anger with the desire to avenge or to get even with somebody. Anger is feelings of rage against someone or someone else, another. Clamor is repeated loud outbursts of complaint. Have you ever been around those people that are just angry and they just keep saying stuff and saying stuff and saying stuff? They're clamoring. There, there, there's some problems inside. There's some bitterness. There's some anger. And they're just going to keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it. It's repeated loud outbursts of complaint. Evil speaking, talking bad about people, gossiping. A lot of times when we're bitter we begin to gossip about people to try to hurt them. And we think we're hurting them. 
and, and really the truth is you're hurting yourself more than anyone else. Yes, you're, you're causing destruction, yes, in your path. But man, that bitterness is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt anyone else. And then malice. Malice is, an ang- is anger with the desire to hurt other people. So not only are you angry and bitter and you have clamor and evil speaking, but then you're going to take that anger and you're going to do something with it to the person. And that's where a lot of people are in this world today. They're doing, they, they've got so much anger pent up in them that they're then taking it out on, on other people. All these negative attributes in a person's life are, are present because they have not decided to forgive even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Then we see here in this passage, though, there are some things that we need to put on so that forgiveness can take place. What's the first thing we need to put on? It's kindness. It says, and be kind one to another. Acts of goodwill to promote the happiness and welfare of other people. Turn over to Romans chapter 12 real quick with me. Romans chapter 12. Time goes way too fast when you're preaching. Um, Man, I just thought it was 8 o'clock and I look at the clock and it's 8.10. What in the world? I think Pastor DeGarmo changed the clock on me. So I'd have to go through what he goes through every Sunday school. Yeah, you get buzzed out. At least I don't get buzzed out. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably among all men. And then verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy a hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's how we're to treat those people that have offended us. Now, that's not easy. And I, I, I want to say this before I forget. I am not at all saying that what you've gone through, what's been done to you is easy. I am not trying to make light of that at all today. I am just telling you what the Word of God says. I'm just preaching what God tells us to do, and that is forgive. God can give you the grace. God can give you the strength to be able to forgive that person and have a release of that and be able to take it to the cross. It may be a work. It may be a, a battle, but he, you can do it. So I don't want, to think, I don't want to just, you to think I just want to make light of your, the things you've went through, maybe. But I just want you to know that God can help you. But when we, when, we, when we will not, or we will not be able to biblically deal with people who have offended us if we're in the flesh, if we have allow, allow bitterness or wrath or anger or any of that, we have to get rid of those things. We need to put on kindness, tenderheartedness, showing love toward one another by considering their situation also. It's what we call empathy. You know, empathy gives hope. When you sympathize with people, you don't always give hope. But when you empathize, when you consider where they are, you're giving hope to them. There's a difference between empathy and, and sympathy. Many times when you just sympathize with them, you're just, it just plunges them even deeper into whatever problem they're dealing with. But when you empathize, you consider where they are, you can give them hope. You can help them. And then forgiveness. And that's where I want to focus tonight is we need to forgive others based on how God has forgiven us. You know, it's hard to forgive people sometimes. The offense comes up in your minds when you see them, when you hear about them. It flashes back. It's like playback, playback on football. 
They play it back over, and the devil keeps bringing it up. And as soon as you walk around the corner, you see the person, that thing comes up into your mind. And what do you have to do? Well, as I mentioned before, Christ died for our sins on the cross. When Christ forgives you, let me ask you a few questions. When Christ forgives us of our sins, when he forgave us of our sins, did he examine us to see if we were worthy of forgiveness? God forgave us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't examine us to see, you know, I, I don't know if they're quite forgivable. He already knew. He knew every sin, every wrong thought, every wrong action, everything he knew about us, and yet he, did, he just forgave us. And then did he exa- does he examine you or did he examine you to see if you've sinned again with the same sin before he forgave you? No, God doesn't. God forgives you. Now, I'm not trying to advocate that you just keep sinning and not getting right with the Lord and just keep doing the same things over and over again. I'm not trying to advocate for not living a victorious life. But you, God doesn't examine you to see if you've sinned again. Oh, he sinned again. Can't forgive him this time. He already forgave you. He knew everything about us. God did not forgive you for your sake. God forgave you, it says in this passage, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He didn't forgive you because you earned it. He didn't forgive you because you promised never to sin again and kept that promise. This is, for, this is hard for some people. I've read some articles. I just read one right before I tried to preach this. And, so, and people don't, they have a rough time with this. But the truth is, God already knew everything about us. And yet he decided to forgive us. God forgave you because the cross of Christ was sufficient. And when we are asked to forgive somebody, we need to remember that that the cross of Christ, the blood of Christ, covered that specific sin, no matter how bad that sin was. The process, and I, I would love to show you a picture of this, um, a, what is called a dynamic. And by the way, this is all part of what I'm learning with counseling, but I'd love you to, sh- to show you a dynamic, but I'm not going to do that because it just takes too much time and I didn't want to have to make Andrew try to juggle presentation, YouTube, Facebook, and everything else he's juggling back there. So think about it here. God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you, and as you forgive others, you are to forgive others because of what God has done for Christ's sake. So it's all, the process is always God through Christ to you. In other words, God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So how do we forgive others having understood this thought? Well, many people are Catholic, very Catholic in their thought of forgiveness. They think that a person should suffer a specific amount of time before they're worthy of forgiveness. It's almost like purgatory. Like I, they should go through enough suffering before I really forgive them. Is that really how God told us forgive? No. Many times people will forgive a person, but then they'll say, I will forgive you, but I'll never forget it. Is that how God forgave you? No. They think that a person is going to continue the sin and repeat it, and so they're hard, it's hard to forgive them of their sin. And the question we have to ask is, did Christ die for that offense? And the truth is, he died for every single offense, no matter the severity, for Christ's sake. 
Therefore, I need to give them, I need to forgive them for Christ's sake. That's the important phrase, for Christ's sake. That's why we are to forgive. And we see this throughout Scripture. I, I, I would love to, to really develop this thought, but 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. This is Paul talking. And then notice what he says. For, I, if, for if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. He says, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. And notice what it says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. What, the danger of unforgiveness is that Satan has an advantage over you. He's, he's, he has a foot in your, your life. And when we don't forgive, we're saying that the sacrifice of Christ on the cross was not sufficient enough to forgive that sin. And the truth is, we are doing exactly what Satan does, and that is despise the cross. Satan despises the cross. And so when you don't forgive someone, when I don't forgive someone, then we are giving Satan an advantage and we are despising the cross just as much as he does. Because we're saying, in essence, the cross was not enough. And that's not true. Once you've despised the cross for one person, you've despised the cross for everybody. Why? Because the cross was forgiveness for every single person. So when you despise the cross for Christ, when you despise the cross of Christ for all, it includes despising the cross for your forgiveness as well. It's a pretty weighty thing. We need to remember that it's not because people are worthy of it to forgive them. We are to forgive them for Christ's sake. A couple other thoughts here about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a fixed point. What do I mean by that? Forgiveness is a fixed point. I don't have to worry about my past. I don't have to worry about my present, and I don't have to worry about my future. Why? Because forgiveness was never in my lifetime. It was at the cross. It's a fixed point. I can always go back to that fixed point for forgiveness. God chose, Christ chose before the foundation of the world to forgive me of my sins. So when you forgive someone for something and they do it again and again, you may think, when did I forgive them? You don't need to worry about it. It's a fixed point. It's been taken care of. Your forgiveness is not based on your logic. It's based on the fixed point of Christ. Because to be honest with you, you might not always feel like forgiving somebody and you might not always think that they should be forgiven. You're human. I'm human. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that. But sometimes I have a rough time because I think they don't really need to be forgiven. But the truth is, Christ did, it's a fixed point. Christ took care of it. It's been taken care of. The cross never changes. It's constant. It's a fixed point no matter how you feel or think. And then forgiveness is transactional. When you take an offense to the cross and forgive a person, you leave it there. If it comes back up tomorrow or the next second, you take it back to the cross and you leave it there. If it comes back the next second, you take it to the cross and you leave it there. And I'll just tell you, the devil's going to keep bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up. And if you do not cut off that thing in your life, you're giving Satan an advantage in your life. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. The devil will bring it back up. Trust me. I, 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 I didn't always say this, but the devil is real. 
Spiritual warfare is real. It is. And just, just if, if you don't believe it, the devil is real. He'll, get, he'll, he'll do everything he can. And the more you try to, you know, and I'm not saying there's no victory in Christ, but I'm just saying, and I'm not trying to give the devil any more credit than he needs to be given. But I'm just telling you, spiritual warfare is real. But praise God, the cross of Christ has taken care of even that. We can have victory over, Christ, over, over that. We can have victory over Satan. And then forgiveness is not one-sided. It's like a coin. It's two-sided. On the one side, you have forgiveness. When did Christ choose to forgive you of your sin? He chose to forgive you of your sin before the foundation of the world. But the truth is that God had to choose forgiveness before the world, and yet you are in the world. Yet there are many people in the world unforgiven. So why are there people in the world that are still unforgiven? And God already chose to forgive them and sent Christ to forgive them because they have not chosen to accept God's forgiveness and repent of their sin. It's not because of God. God's done what's necessary. He sent his son. It's because they haven't accepted the forgiveness. So then on the other side of it, you have restoration. The coin of restoration is repentance. When a person repents, there can be restoration. Remember what I said earlier? Until we accept Christ's free gift, we ask for forgiveness, our that, that relationship with God is separated. There's separation. But once we ask for forgiveness, once we get saved, once we do what is necessary for salvation, then we can be restored to that fellowship that God wants us to have with him. So what am I saying? When a person, the, the key to determine forgiveness is not, I forgive them once they repent. This is key. I don't, don't lose me here. It's not your job to worry about when they repent. That's God's job. But I'll tell you, I won't name names, but I can show you an article that it says exactly the opposite. That's why I'm making a big point of this one. Because people want to say, well, I won't forgive until they repent. It's not your job to figure out when they repent and when they don't. It's your job to forgive. Amen. Now, am I saying that you're going to, it's all going to be hunky-dory and you're just going to go prancing along with them? No. There's still going to be problems there. Now, I'm not saying you should kick them in the shin, punch them in the face. Remember what Romans 12 said? I know I'm being a little silly. I'm sorry. I've been teaching kids all day, so this stuff comes out. Um, but, you know, you have to say some of that kind of stuff sometimes. You never know. Um, but um, I'm not saying you should, you know, Romans 12 tells us not to take vengeance in our, into our hands. It says become, don't be overcome with the evil, overcome evil with good. So the, the restoration, you may not have the best relationship with that person, but you need to forgive them. And once they've repented, once they've asked for forgiveness, then they can, you can begin to mend that relationship with them. You can begin to bring the restoration back. You can begin to have a different relationship with them. But I can forgive and I can have an attitude of forgiveness without restoring the relationship to its original position. That's key. I can, have, I can forgive and I can have an attitude of forgiveness without having to restore that relationship to its original position. 
So don't get, don't get confused. Yes, on one side there's forgiveness, but on the other side there's restoration. But they're all, they're, forgiveness is still told to us in, in Ephesians 4.32, to forgive one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. As I close on uh, January 8, 1956, Jim Elliott and one of the five missionaries killed by the Aka Indians. Um, Jim, Jim Elliott was one of the five missionaries killed by the Aka Indians in Ecuador. Jim was 26, married less than three years, father to a 10-month-old girl. We all know the story. Jim's wife, Elizabeth, with, went with her young daughter and another missionary woman to live among the tribe that had killed her husband. She worked among them from 1958 to 1963 before returning to the U.S. I believe I remember right, she even went back at some point after that and did work among them. Elizabeth knew the love and forgiveness of Christ. This allowed her to love and forgive the people responsible for the death of her husband, Jim. She didn't wait until they had repented and asked for forgiveness. She didn't. She didn't sit over in the U.S. saying, okay, I'll go once they say, it's, I'm sorry for killing your husband. I don't know, maybe, I don't know who, I, I, maybe if I remember the story right, and I should look this up so I could say, you know, affirmatively, but did, did any of them ever ask for forgiveness? Maybe there was one that came and asked. I can't remember. But still, there were some that probably never did truly come and ask I'm sorry, you know, for forgiveness from her for what they did to her husband and all those other men. And yet she went there and labored among them. She knew the forgiveness of God. The forgiveness she gave to the Akas resulted in her knowledge of forgiveness, was a result of the knowledge of forgiveness that she received by faith in Christ. And that forgiveness that she demonstrated was not, a, well, it was not possible apart from the grace of God. So tonight, let me ask you, do you forgive when somebody's worthy of it? Do you examine them as you forgive them? Of, are they really worthy? Have they repented enough? Have they done enough works? That's not how Christ forgave. It says, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You forgive them, and you allow God to do the other work. God can do a work that you can't. And it's not our job to worry about that. So I asked tonight, are you sitting there maybe with some unforgiveness in your heart? Again, I'm not trying to make light of what you've done, or what, what somebody's done to you, excuse me. Maybe there's something that you've really had to deal with that was traumatic in your life. But God said to forgive, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's pray for